Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, 100% Bob Bickford, ready to jump, fully recovered from COVID, strong as ever, ready to run faster, jump higher. Can I say 95%? I'm almost there. I'm almost, okay. So I can give you 95% today. All right. I'll take that. 95%. 95% of Bob Bickford is better than 110% of a lot of other guys. So I'll take it. (laughs) I don't know about that. I've got some questions, though. It looks like you're in a bike store. Are you in a bike store? Like, <laughs> I I am in my garage, the uh, the garage office of Casa de Stewart, and those are my that's my recreational fun family bike behind me from Walmart, and then slightly more expensive road bike for exercise. Good work. Well, well uh, it was not. Because everybody wants our commentary on college football, that's what we get feedback on the most, you know, is everybody appreciates how much time we dedicate to talking college football. We had a bad week, I think, didn't we? Yeah, we'll just leave it at this. It was a bad week. It was a bad week for both of us. Um, So here's the deal. We want to move on. We've got a fun and exciting uh, series of episodes that we're going to do, Bob, and this this is a a leadership principle that I, I've heard, I've learned from you, the replant guru. And so I want to dive deeper into this, learn more, throw in a little bit of stuff that I'm, I've am i read. And, and let's talk about leadership judo. I love it. Do you do, you do a hi-ya? Is it hi-ya or what do you do? Well, no, because that's more karate. Yep. And I think we'll, we'll get into it. And just let me say, I am not trained in any martial arts whatsoever. I don't have any kind of belt. I do have a TSA safety security belt that I can just wear and walk right through security. Oh. But that is the really only the interesting belt that I have. And it does happen to be black. But yeah. Leadership judo, man, here's a concept, Jimbo, that I don't remember when I thought about it. And I'm probably not the first person to think about it. And I may have heard it at a conference, but I play it off as an original to Bob Bickford. Are you are you saying that you're plagiarizing this idea? I am not. But I'm saying I developed the phrase leadership judo. And I don't know if I got it some, somewhere and claimed it as mine or if I coined it originally. So if we've got some researchers out there that want to Google it and uh, figure it out, I've never published a blog or anything on this, so it might be written about by some other folks, but it's something that I coined. And specifically, I, I remember when I was on staff, when I first moved to St. Louis at a large multi-site church, the dynamics and the culture of working in that church, they were just unique and challenging all the time. And there were a lot of 20-somethings that would, because I was an older guy, And, you know, they would come to me and talk to me about their situations. And so I just coined this phrase, well, let's practice some leadership judo. So let me give you the definition and then we'll kind of launch in from there. But here's my definition of leadership judo. It's taking the energy of an opponent and directing it away from harm to a more productive place. So it's the inner. So everybody who's in an organization brings energy like we call like a resistance energy or maybe uh, an enthusiasm and they always want to do new things and start new things or they're just a negative person and they bring kind of 
a critical spirit to things. And so oftentimes when you're working in teams, you can experience somebody's energy, whatever they're bringing to you, and you direct it away from a place of harm to a more productive place. That's what I talk about when I mean leadership judo. So I'd sit down with the young staff guys and I would say, okay, well, how can we get on the productive side of this? Like, how can we direct it to a safe place? So my concept of judo is really small and it may be totally false. So we may have some judo champions in the audience. Who knows, Jumbo? But I always understood judo to be something that was more of defensive than an offensive, right? So it's not like I'm trying to go out and attack somebody. I'm defending myself. And so this idea of leadership judo was whatever's coming my way, specifically in in terms of people skills or or people interactions, I should say, I'm going to try to direct it to a place where it's not going to hurt me or harm me or the organization that I'm part of, but it can be more productive. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research, but to see if there was some other writing out there. And because I love this idea and I think it's so helpful when it comes to pastoral ministry and replanting and revitalization. So I I did find a guy who wrote on something very adjacent to the idea of leadership judo. He calls it verbal judo. Okay. Dr. George J. Thompson uh, and Dr. George has a black belt in taekwondo and a black belt in judo and a phd and he was a police officer for a whole lot of years and so this idea of verbal judo he wrote a whole thing basically training police officers on how to de-escalate situations whenever they're dealing with people and things like that, which is a pretty fascinating idea. He has since kind of revised and updated the material so that it doesn't just apply to police officers, but also to businesses and marriages and things like that. And you will never guess, Bob, who he brought to be his co-author to help him clarify this thing of verbal judo to the world. Are you ready? Was it uh, Dr. Jimbo Stewart? It was not Dr. Jimbo Stewart. It was Jerry B. Jenkins. Now, when I say that, there's probably something in you that says, man, that sounds really familiar. (laughs) Jerry B. Jenkins, what has he written? Well, he's well known for a little series called Left Behind. Oh, my. And so he wrote the Left Behind series. And for whatever reason, he also helped co-write this book called Verbal Judo. So there you go. So you are not the only guy. Well, what? (laughs) You are are right there with Jerry B. Jenkins. Well, Thanks for that, I think. <laughs> I you know, I think in our I think in our church library we still have some of those left behind books. So maybe we ought to do a little giveaway on, on the old boot camp there. We can give those away. <laughs> well, here's the deal. There is, I think, a, a little bit of distinction between what Dr. George and, and Jerry B call verbal judo and your leadership judo. But I think as we introduce the idea, I would here's what I would say is I think verbal judo, as I have quickly skimmed this book, seems like it it would be a tool, a part of leadership judo, of making sure that we communicate with people in a way verbally that helps de-escalate situations and and stay away from conflict and the importance of that. And as we approach that part of the concept, I was trying to think through, okay, is obviously being nice is somewhat a biblical idea, but where where's the biblical kind of think of this? And and I keep going back to Ephesians chapter four uh, for so many different things. And towards the end of Ephesians chapter four and verse 29, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, right? But then here's what I thought was really interesting. It says, but only such as is good for building up 
as fits the occasion, right? So there's this like contextualized, customized language. So it's not just saying, just be nice. It's not just saying, don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouth. But think about in the occasion that you're in, what's going to fit that occasion and will build people up. And then as the end of the verse, it says that it may give grace to those who hear. And I really think that verse, Bob, and I want to hear your your take on this, kind of connects those ideas of verbal judo and leadership judo in contextualizing your speech and your leadership to the occasion. What's going to fit that occasion for the purpose of building up and giving grace to those who hear? I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the sense that, Jimbo, I think early on in my life and leadership life, because of my personality, my wiring, if I thought somebody had a stupid idea, I would just go ahead and say, that's a pretty dumb idea, <laughs> right? I wouldn't say that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but I would just go, I, man, I, that's kind of a dumb idea, right? Now, it's direct and it's truthful, but it's not helpful and it doesn't build others up. I totally agree with you. Like, and I think we early on in ministry, I was hanging out with some guys who, when we took some of those spiritual gifts tests, we all kind of scored out like at the prophetic, you know, truth telling kind of range. And it would make sense that a bunch of us who were of the similar personality enjoyed hanging out with one another. And so I think we kind of took a sense of pride, like we're just going to be prophetic and tell the truth all the time. It was about that time that I ran across Ephesians 4, 28, 29. And so, you know, I was like, like, you know, this is a good sanctifying verse for me. And I think from that point on, I realized it's really important how you answer somebody because you need to keep the conversation going rather than shut it down. And the reality is for most of us who are staff members or pastors, we're going to be in situations where we have co-staff or maybe we've got a pastor above us or deacons, or we have lay members or sweet older ladies and congregants that are just going to say things that we we need to be able to respond with Ephesians 4.29 as our guide, right? And so I think the steps that are contained here in kind of verbal judo are super helpful. And I hope the guys can really be encouraged as we walk through them. Yeah, one of the distinction they make only uh, they make early on in verbal judo is between verbal judo and verbal karate. And so in verbal judo, it says karate is defined by sharp, quick blows delivered with hands and feet. And so verbal karate is the lashing out as if with the side of a calloused hand when you snap at your spouse, your children, your employer, your employees, or anyone, right? It's that, that quick, sharp wit or part of the tongue, and uh, it shuts things down like you were saying. And that in, in contrast, they describe judo. They say physical judo was invented by Dr. Kano in 1882. It's derivative of jujitsu, which means pain. Judo means the gentle way rather than the painful way. And so I was thinking about the Ephesians 4.29 verse. There, Man, there are just countless Proverbs that kind of speak to this idea. Proverbs 15.1, a soft word turns away, away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Mm -hmm. And so much of conflict is miscommunication and misunderstanding, whether that be in your marriage, whether that be in the workplace or wherever else. I mean, just the large majority, I would say, in my observation of all conflict is almost always a miscommunication or misunderstanding. And if we, if we could find a way to garner real understanding 
and take time to connect with people, to understand them, and then explain what we're trying to do and make sure we really understand what it is they're trying to say and do, we're going to have a much more productive conversation because the minute it feels like conflict, we go into a different style of communication, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we start to become combative and, and wanting to kind of go at things and we don't feel like we're in a safe space. And I, I even didn't want to use that phrase safe space because it's so misconstrued. <laughs> I, I don't, you I just don't triggered me, Jimbo. You triggered me. <laughs> I'm not worried about triggering you. What I mean is so by safe safe space. That's that's a whole another conversation we could, probably shouldn't have. So I don't want to say anything to shut anybody down right now, but show respect. But here I did read, I, the reason I bring up that idea of safety is I was reading a leadership book the other day that I highly recommend called Everyday People Extraordinary Leadership by Kuzis and Posner, who did the leadership challenge together. This is a follow-up to that and actually a bunch of research that they did out of that, out of people's personal best leadership experiences. And they, they pulled a whole bunch of data and a bunch of aggregate data from other literature and put together this book, which I highly recommend. But here's this quote that I found in it that really stood out to me. It said, a multiple year study of over 18 teams at Google found that no mix of personality types, skills, backgrounds, or matches with the work expected helped explain which teams performed well and which did not. Psychological safety was the critical factor explaining why some teams outperformed others. So just to, what I mean by psychological safety is not safe space in the way that that term is used a lot today, but safe to have ideas, safe to ask questions, knowing that when I say something, my supervisor, my coworker is going to want to hear what I have to say. They're going to value my opinion. They're not going to shut me down with these this verbal karate and shut me out of everything. But I don't mean a safe space in that like, all my ideas have to be accepted and everything has to go my my way, my perspective. And that's where I would, I think this leadership judo idea that you've got really comes out on, in, the, in the personal side through a, an adaptation of Les McEwen and Predictable Success when he talks about what he calls the enterprise commitment, or where basically I'll, the enterprise commitment is basically I'll put the interest of the enterprise above my own preferences and desires. And so I've adapted that with his permission to what I call a kingdom commitment. And I will place the interests of the church, both local and global, and the kingdom of God ahead of my own interests and preferences. And, and, and so when I say safe space, I don't, I don't mean uh, well, nobody gets to challenge you. No, we need to be able, we need to challenge each other. We need to challenge the status quo. We need to ask questions. Not every idea you have is a good idea. Now, you should be free to say it out loud and you should be, feel, you, but you also need to know when to speak and when not to. And then what's ultimately, what's going to be good for this church that I'm helping lead in, not just what's going to scratch my itches. And I really think that's where leadership judo comes in is we all have kind of our own leadership style, a way that we like to do things. And we assume that our leadership style is the answer to every problem. And and so I think leadership judo helps us not attack people, but and, and let people be who they are and the way that God has wired them and designed them to be in their own leadership style, but also recognize that you're not the only leader and that this has to be what's good for the whole church, the whole organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I, I think that 
you know, going back to the quote from Kuzas and Posner, one of the things I have learned is that the most effective teams allow everybody to lead from their strengths and to share their insights. You get a better product when a visionary works with an operator. An operator is the one who helps that vision become reality. And then you also get a better application when you get a processor involved who can do the nuts and the bolts and the details and the legalities and all of those sorts of things. And so when you're brainstorming about solutions for an issue, when you put those VOPS leadership styles in a room, you're going to automatically have tension and you need to develop a culture in which everyone realizes there's going to be tension, but the tension is about our view and how we're wired up. But we really want to get to the best, what you know, the enterprise solution. Well, in the church, we want to see the gospel proclaimed and we want to see people discipled and we want to make a difference in the community. And so if that can be the dashboard and you can begin to say, how do we do that in the best possible way? You're going to have a wide variety of opinions. And then what I would say, Jimbo, as the leader, you need to realize a couple of things. One is it's not your job to have every idea about how the best way to do that is. Your job as a leader is to, through the people God has given you in the church, to go after the mission that God has given us in the scriptures and to facilitate that and to to let that go. Being committed to that means as a leader, you're going to have to facilitate conversation among the people whom God's brought around you to accomplish the vision. And that's going to naturally lead to some spaces and places where it's tough and it's difficult. But if you can create that culture and everybody realizes that what they say matters in, in terms of shaping the eventual outcome, then I think you, you get a team that's ready to participate and you've really got to value it in the moment, right? And that's, I, I've been in teams where, you know, somebody's idea is ridiculed or laughed at, or the leader basically is like he's swatting tennis balls on the court during ball machine practice, right? Every idea, yeah. boom, back, you know, no, 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 no. And then what happens is this is a key, this is a, a perfect sign that you're probably not practicing leadership judo and verbal judo is when people on your team stop talking and they don't have anything to say and they don't communicate their ideas. And that's the hallmark of when something's gone wrong in the organization because people go, it doesn't matter what we say, the point person, the leader, the pastor, the CEO, you know, the executive pastor or whatever, whatever they think is whatever goes. And so I'm not sure why we're having this meeting. So good to think about that in the sense that do you have a culture where people feel like they can they can contribute with the way that God has uniquely wired them to contribute? Or do they have you create a culture where if the boss hog doesn't say it, then it doesn't happen? Right. And you gotta do you gotta do what the what the lead guy says. And that's never the way we see it described in scripture. Mm-hmm. And here's what's fascinating to me about that, right? Even when God put on flesh and came down to earth, he like surrounded himself with a bunch of knuckleheads, not not cream of the crop, not the top tier seminary grads. Like, I mean, he, he surrounded himself with these guys and he he delegated authority and leadership to them. Right. He didn't always. Now, there were times when he had to. 
as the leader, cut and dry, go, this is what we're going to do. When, right when Peter cut a guard's ear off and he was like, look, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Mm-hmm. That's not how I came to fight this thing. But just knowing knowing that people deserve to be respected. And so I want to use that to transition. In the book, Verbal Judo, the most recent version, which was co-authored by the Jerry B. Jenkins of Left Behind, who, by the way, just full circle connection for you. I don't know if you know this. Do you know who Jerry B. Jenkins' son is? I do not. Dallas Jenkins, who is the director and producer of The Chosen series. Well, there you go. So, old Jerry... When he contributed to this, I don't know if it was his contribution or what, but it, only in the latest edition of Verbal Judo, they give these five truths for all people. And it's really good stuff to think about as you have these conversations. Number one, I'm just going to go through these real fast. Number one, yeah. all cultures want to be respected and treated with dignity, regardless of the situation. When treated with disrespect, all people will want to fight and get revenge. You've immediately escalated this to a conflict situation when you fail to show respect and dignity. Uh, And so always be respectful, always show dignity. Secondly, all people would rather be asked than told what to do. To ask somebody is a sign of respect. To tell is often received as disrespect. Even if you have the authority to tell. uh, Now, there are situations when you need to tell, right? So we're not saying don't ever tell, but if you can ask and you can make it come across as respectful as possible always to be as respectful as possible number three all people want to know why they're being asked or told to do something none of us liked it when we were kids when our parents would say because i said so and we don't like it as employees either usually or as co-workers on a team or as church members or as whatever we don't appreciate uh, as well even as adults uh, and, and all people would rather have options than threats, right? And then finally, people want a second chance to make matters right. As I was reading through these five, I was thinking about one quick scenario I want to share of a guy who came and he was so unbelievably arrogant, a young guy that was doing an internship with us and assumed that I knew nothing at all about urban ministry because I was not leading in the way that he thought I was supposed to lead as a young, arrogant college intern. And so he literally walked into my office and said, you don't know what you're doing. You obviously don't have experience in an urban context. Let me lead this outreach and I'll show you how it's done. Those are his words, not his. Oh my goodness. He didn't insinuate that. Those are his actual words. Here's the deal. I I should have just let him go right then probably, but I leadership judoed him, right? I didn't say you're done. I gave him an option and I gave him respect and I asked him questions. I gave him a pathway that he ultimately didn't choose to take. And that's, I'll just say, and we're going to get more into all of this in the coming episodes. I would much rather than fire somebody or cancel somebody or get rid of somebody or anything like that, that last drastic step. I would much rather create a pathway, however unlikely they are to take it, that does allow for them to continue to serve if they actually walk that pathway, right? So with this guy, I said, the only way forward right now is for the next 30 days, we're going to go through the book of Proverbs together. And every day, you're going to read the chapter that correlates with the day of the month, and you're going to journal. And every time it says hasty, every time it says haughty, every time it says fool, every time it says prideful, I want you to write that verse down. And I want you to ask the Lord to tell you if that's you. 
if you are the fool in that verse. <laughs> and I want you to pray about it. And I want you to see if that's what the proverb says to you. And once a week for the next 30 days, you and I are going to, I'm going to do it too. And once a week, we're going to talk about this. And if at the end of that 30 days, I see that the Lord has done a work in your heart, then we'll continue to find ways for you to serve here. But if not, I can't let you serve with that attitude. And he ultimately did chose not to take that pathway. But I didn't tell him he couldn't serve at our church. I just created a pathway because I believe every opportunity is a discipleship opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was a discipleship opportunity as well. And, I, you know, Jimbo, the, all those things that you listed, I think, could be summarized under the statement of if I was leading me, you know, if, if I had a leader who who's leading me, how would I want to be led, right? Yeah. And how would I want to be listened to? How would I want to be talked to? How would I want to be valued, et cetera? Right. Because I think most of us, when we're young, we're all jonesing for the leadership position. We want the we want the title. We want the chair. Give me the reins. Right. Give me the steering wheel. And because we're, we're running behind guys. And what happens is we run into the back of our leader and we drive him nuts. Right. Like we just bump up into our lips. So what I would say is when you get the leadership position, one, a couple things hopefully occur. One is you realize how big a responsibility it is. Two, you realize you don't have all the answers. And three, you really get serious about leading the people who are under your leadership authority. You you get serious about leading them well, right? So what I would say is over the next couple of weeks, man, just lean in and listen and learn and see how the Lord wants to, to shape your leadership and using this concept of leadership judo and verbal judo. And man, just let the Lord do some really cool things in your life. It's almost like Jesus said something like, treat others the way that you want to be treated or I, something along those lines. I've heard it before. Uh, is, is that either him or Jerry B. Jenkins, one of the two. Look, here's the deal, guys. Tune in for the next several weeks. Our plan is to utilize as a framework, just so that we can have a framework for clarity, the Visionary Operator Processor Synergist Framework of Leadership Styles by Les McEwen, as we've mentioned on here before. One of the reasons we'll use that is there's a free quiz that you can take that doesn't sign. I mean, you're not you're not obligated to do anything for it. But if you wanted to, we'll have a link to that in our show notes. And if you want to figure out your leadership style according to that, but that allows us to work through some framework and material to talk about if you are a visionary and you're leading or you are a leading a visionary or working with a visionary, then how do you practice empathy, respect, and leadership judo and verbal judo in that context with each of those four leadership styles, visionary, operator, processor, and synergist. So over the next four weeks or so, we'll be diving into that take the quiz, send us your questions along the way. If you have questions about that that you want us to answer in this series or even after that series, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.